This is a Stand Up Labs production, powered by digital media. Yo, we got a good one for you this week, man. We talking uh, dead icons, book lovers, and black astronauts. I know you're excited. Jump in the conversation. For the end of conversation podcast with funny man Damian Lemon, crazy Dominican, you know, Vladimir, come on, yo, my cool man from the county of Dade, Ali Muhammad. Yeah, we all back. It is in the conversation with Damian Lemon. Uh, and as always, on my right hand side, I got all right. Well, Vlad is not in the conversation this week. But on my left hand side, I got. Oh man, you got Ali Muhammad, the voice of your choice, out here on the Summer of Love tour. Summer of Love tour, huh? <laughs> That's what, what it feel like. You on? Where you at? Where, where's the tour stop? I'm in ATL right now. You know what I'm saying? Just left uh, Huntsville. We did Florida before that. Last week was in Florida, so now now we're in ATL. Man, how's the love out there? Oh man, the love is real good, man. I haven't really hit the streets yet. I'm gonna hit the streets tomorrow. I've been in trying to really catch up on some uh some stuff I needed to work on as far as work. But you know what I'm saying? I'm back on the streets tomorrow and see what it is. I'm gonna try to hit Shanti's event and uh got a couple of shoots set up so we could get uh, get that thorough TV in while we out here. Shanti who? Who's Shanti? Shanti Daz, uh, you know, okay. ex uh music industry exact veteran you know what i'm saying she was like one of the first product managers probably the first product manager for outcast and yeah she's a legend in the game from the door i got a funny <laughs> ass shanti die story i told you this before when i was uh i was interning over at LaFace years ago right and uh mm-hmm. it was her birthday she had a birthday party i forget what club it was somewhere in midtown uh atlanta I forget the name of the club, but uh, it was her birthday party. It's like, for those who are familiar, like, I mean, I don't know if it's an industry thing, but it definitely is an industry thing. Like, within the industry, there's people that celebrate their birthday, and if they're of note, everybody wants to go. Because everybody wants to be in the mix. <laughs> just, you know, right. but it's a birthday party, right? You know, but it's at a club. It's a big deal. So this might have right. been my first industry birthday party ever going to. So before we got to the thing, because I, you know, I was interested. I was seeing around the office, say hello, whatever. I went to Publix and got a a, a good old birthday <laughs> card. <laughs> a birthday card. I was young Ernest. Young Ernest goes to the birthday party, and uh, I get. It was like a madhouse at the door, like you know, one of the doors where you like, hey yo, hey, you know, people try to be seen and. People come out every three, four minutes to look at the crowd and be like, all right, let them in, let them in, let them in. So I'm at the right, door, right. and I think Shanti had, like, came to the door to let people in. And I was a lonely intern, but I guess she recognized me. She was like, yeah, let him in, too. I was my man. It was, I, it was at least me and, and my man, uh, DJ Sense. Shout out to Trent Center Sense. It was me and him, at least. 
And uh, she was like, let them two in. So I walked through them, cutting cut through the bustle, getting through it. I pulled down my <laughs> birthday card, like, happy birthday. And she looked at that shit like, this nigga really got me a birthday card. <laughs> uh, it was cool, man. It was cool. She's great people. So shout out to Shanti Doc. She, like, she was like, where am I going to put this card while I turn Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious, man. But uh, that's dope, man. Uh, yeah. So what 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 got you on tour, man? What's the, what's going on? Well, you know, it's it's the Muhammad family vacation, so you know, um, usually okay. usually I stay back in New York when they do Atlanta and all this because you know they stay for a while. But this year right. I'm leading up the charge, and my wife is at back in New York working, so you know, okay. I had to get the kids to the grandparents and uh, my my middle son Ace. He went to space camp. So we wow. dropped him off yesterday to space camp, which was interesting. Wow, that sounds interesting. I saw the photo on the gram. He had the yeah, he looked official on that. <laughs> now, now that's a that's a trip. It was a trip because when he, we signed him up, he didn't want to get the uniform. He was like, ah, you know, that kind of looked cheesy. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't really want that. But then when yeah. we got there, it looked official, and uh-huh. then. Uh-huh. You see all the other little kids getting theirs and they little package like you know what I'm saying okay got the little jumpsuit or whatever so then I see him yeah. looking with his eyes like damn so I was like you know you sure you don't want it he was like nah I don't want it and then uh, a little later in the day I gave him one more chance I was like man you might as well get it you know because uh-huh. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna look up next later in the week and be like damn I wish I had one of them space suits you know, so, yeah, I wish I was, so, yeah. Yeah, so we went ahead and got him one, man. He put it on. I forced him to put it on so he could take a picture for the, uh, <laughs> you know, for his grandma and his mom and everybody. And uh, so he put it on, man. It, it, it was like one of them instant classic pictures, like one of them pictures that, that's going to go down, hanging up in your nah. grandma's house. <laughs> nah, that was that was a, a black father's greatest, greatest hit photo. <laughs> and, it's, and it's one of them joints that he going to love if they still do a throwback Thursday when they get older. That's when you kill them. Let me show them when I used to be in space camp. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? What? Because, yeah, you know, when you see the picture, it look official, look like like a little baby, uh, you know what I'm saying, McNeil. Ronald, you know? Ronald McNair or somebody. <laughs> yeah, McNair, Ronald McNair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the go-to black astronaut? Is is it any others or something? It got you got the lady, you got the black lady. You know what I'm saying? There's only like two famous ones. Yeah, I don't even know who the other one is. It's the the lady. Uh, what's her name? Oh shit, Chris, look up. Black astronaut. Lady. Yeah, I'm looking it up. Um, astronauts don't get enough props for being astronauts. You know what I mean? Like they're really... going out of the out of the orbit. Like they going into space. And they kind of come back unknown. Yeah, because we don't really know what they're doing up there. We don't get the news. Yeah, I'm we don't get the <laughs> but then a lot of times you don't even get to notice that they went. I just Googled yeah. it. It's a bunch of black astronauts. Yeah, see? See, I don't Shout know, Macy. black astronaut in the comments without using you know, Google. Well, I had to use Google. I got Macy Macy Jemison. That's who I know, the lady. And then Ronald right. McNair. Right. But then it's like a gang of other ones. Yeah, I'm seeing Stephanie Wilson, Joan Hickenbotham. 
These are people yeah. that just went to space. There's a lot of other uh, <laughs> black astronauts that didn't even go into space. So, oh man, Word. are you official if you never went to space? <laughs> That's probably like you, like a research doctor, as right, opposed to right. a, a surgeon. Right, right, exactly, exactly. Or well, it's like when you cross, uh, like you know how they got the paper crossing when they go to fraternity sorority, and certain people are like, oh, they paper. They didn't get hazed. <laughs> I think it might be a little bit of that in the world. Because you're still down, but it, it you know might be an asterisk. Man. I don't know. If you're man, a black that's astronaut that's never been to space, hit us up in the comments. <laughs> get wild engagement now, real specific engagement. Anyway. No doubt. No doubt. That's dope, though. So how long is space camp? He out there for a week. So we, okay. we, we left him. Left him, you know what I'm saying? He had to check in to his little... Is a barracks, which is kind of built like a spaceship. You know, they all wow. crowded in there. And his whole thing was he wanted the bottom bunk. He was like, I just want to get the bottom bunk. And I was like, okay. So we walked into the room and, you know, he was able to choose. He was able to choose the bottom bunk. But then we left out to go get his little package. And something uh -huh. told me, man, let me go back and make sure there's nobody will get his bunk, man. Because he was like the one of the first two and there's like five people going to be in there. Yeah. So we went back in, and of course, somebody had settled down and tried to put their stuff on the bunk. And then Ace, he don't play no games. Like he, he, he like real, real nerdy. But you know what I'm saying? He don't play no games when it's time to Ain't be no straightforward. By something. Nah, nah. He stopped straight in the room, and I was gonna handle it. So he, uh -huh. he stepped, he stepped in front of me and was like, "Excuse me, what's your name?" And then the guy was uh -huh. like, "Oh, Zach." And then he was like, oh, Zach. And then I had to kind of step in front of him because I knew it was about to go all the way to the left. <laughs> Shit was about to so, get real intergalactic in there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because, you know, he had the little parents, everybody looking. And he, you know what I'm saying? He, he didn't speak. He just stepped in like, hey, what's your name? And then so I, I went ahead and, uh, you know, like, hey, yeah, you know, he had already chose this. But I, I went ahead and squashed it before he had to, you know what I'm saying, get too up front with his, with his bunk mates. <laughs> Hilarious! That's funny. That's so was, funny. Uh, he be flying. He, he like I said, he very laid back. He don't say much. He don't do much. But when it's about something right or wrong, uh -huh. he gonna he gonna step up. That's what's up. He don't have no he don't have no filter of like you know what I'm saying like you know the other person kind of got feelings and he don't have that kind of filter like that. Nah. So it was a, it was another kid in there that was kind of um. You know, he was rambunctious. He was jumping from bunk to bunk and just doing little stuff just to get some, you know, get everybody looking, paying attention. And, you know, his mom mm -hmm. wasn't saying nothing or whatever. But, and then, you know, they went around the room, was talking whatever, whatever, talking about their plans. And Ace, his first thing was, the first thing, I'm going to ignore what he's doing. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> Wow! So I guess in front of the parents, he, shame the kid in front of the parents. No, no shame, no shame. He just nipped all that. Like, listen, man, I, I'm gonna ignore all that. What you doing right there? I'm like, you know, but that's him. That's that's who he is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They ain't taking no shorts out there. Damn! All right. At, at all. That's man, at all. <laughs> Why the bottom bunk? We just didn't want to. What was the deal with that? I guess I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Yes, I, I guess that's what it is. You know what I'm saying? I guess I don't know. Maybe he don't want to have to climb down. 
I had a bunk bed, but I didn't have a, a like. I think my sister was sleeping in another room when we had bunk beds. So my first bed was a bunk bed, but I ain't had nobody up there sleeping. So it was just me when your cousins come, you know. Yeah. So you just chose funny. whatever one you wanted to be on. But I usually like to be on the top. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's fine. I never had a bunk bed. My cousins had a bunk bed. And, um, yeah, it was just you sleep on whichever one is open. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it, it, it would go back and forth. But I, I don't remember the justification. I remember I wanted to be on the top. The top was the, you felt like you was running the show. You know, right. I guess you don't get that experience again until you go to prison. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, you, you can get your bunk selection up again. And I hope not <laughs> to do that. What's the what's the power bunk in prison? I think it's a, I don't know. I think it might be the I don't know. I don't know. Prisoners, if you listen to the <laughs> podcast, let us know which bunk do you prefer. It pro- it it's seems like the, it seems like the top one would be the power position, but you probably have more options on the in the bottom bunk, right? I right, think right, you, right. I think the bottom is kind of yeah. I feel like the bottom bunk seems like. They both got their benefits because neither one of you blind to the other. If you're on top, you blind to what's going on down. And if you're on the bottom, you blind to what's going on on top. So if they want to, but, somebody but, wants to attack. But in order for you to get it off from up top, you got to jump down. You might just be able to flip down. You know <laughs> what I mean? If you just doing a bunk, a top bunk stabbing, you might just do a flip over, stab, stab, and then land. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, can, I might have thought this out way too far. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's interesting, man. We got to find that out. Right, anyway. right, right. Oh, shit. <laughs> what else cool. Where you been? What's going on? Huh? Where you been? I've been here, man. I was in uh, I was in New York for the weekend. I was home. Uh, my lady was out of town, so I was chilling. I had shows and shit. You know what I mean? But I had a just a, you know, when you by yourself, you you know, your lady is in, in New York. So, you know, when you by yourself, it's just there's so much you can do that you could almost get tired by thinking of everything you could do. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to hang out here. You know, you know, just mm-hmm. just for the fact that you don't have to go home to anyone. Nobody home waiting on you. So you just do you just in the world. I ain't really do shit. I almost went to go see Drake at the Garden, Drake and Future. But I just, mm-hmm. I couldn't be the guy going one deep to the Drake concert. It felt like that had been a little, I don't know, that would have been a little, uh, ah, I can't be the one, I do one Drake deep show. in a lot of shit, but I can't be one deep at the concert. Especially a Drake <laughs> concert, I feel like I'd be, you know what I mean, it just feel weird. It looked good though, it looked like it was popping. But, uh, oh man, you could have did that. I've done the one deep at a concert, not intentionally. A friend of mine was like, yo, you want to come to the show? I got tickets. I'm like, all right, bet. So they left a ticket at Will Call. And I didn't see this person until damn near the last song of the last <laughs> of the last set. So I'm basically by myself at a concert with kids that I'm significantly older than. So I feel like right. a chaperone with no kids. You know what I mean? And it's just something <laughs> when you sit, you sit next to an empty seat. It, it was a weird moment, man. I, I, you know, and I'm not one of these people that's like I can't do a whole lot of things by myself because I do a lot of stuff by myself. But uh, I think the I think MSG at the Drake show might have been a little too forlorn. 
It might have okay. looked a little melancholy. You know what I mean? No doubt, no doubt. No Drake doubt. already the king of sadness. I'm, I'm in there one deep. I can't even explain <laughs> to nobody. You know what I mean? Anyway. Uh, so, one deep, uh, one deep, one deep, one deep. <laughs> one deep. Yeah, I did that. I did some spots. Did spots around the city. Stand up New York in the cellar. And uh, that was really it, man. And that was it. I didn't really do too much. I just came back from Connecticut. We shot a spot. We shot a spot up in Denny's for Comedy Knockout. That mm-hmm. shit. Hopefully, it, it's just uh, just us sitting at the table, talking shit, eating pancakes. It's me. Shout out to Nori Davis, past guest on the show. Suba Agarwal, uh, one of the writers on Comedy Knockout, and Noah Garner Schwartz, also another writer on Comedy Knockout. All great comics. But we just sitting there bugging out, you know, eating pancakes, talking shit. It's a TV, it's a TV commercial. It's a TV commercial. It's just uh, for it's gonna run during uh, comedy knockout, so it should be okay. cool. Yeah, we'll see up. how it cuts together. But, uh, so that's there, why you got that leading the way, boy. Huh? You got that leading the way. I guess if you trying to go get some pancakes, I definitely or, got a plus. the TV show. Oh, yeah. Well, it's fun. It's good to do it. It's good to do it. I'm happy. I'm happy to be out here working. You know? That's what's up. Yeah, man. You know. You know but, uh, shit. What else is going on in the world? Today is, uh, Whitney Houston's birthday. Is it? It's her birthday. So, um, I've been seeing a lot of birthday tribute. That's when, I guess that's when you know you're an icon, right? We were just talking about icons. Mm-hmm. You were telling me, you told me that uh, Kanye just passed Michael Jackson with the most hits charted. Right, right, right. Okay, let's have this conversation. Does that mean that Kanye is now the king of pop, or is he bigger than Michael Jackson? Is he a bit? Is he more iconic than Michael Jackson? In I, some you, respects, you can you can argue that he is. Bigger than MJ for this generation, you know right. he, you know he ain't got that fifty million albums sold on on Thriller, but you know it's a different time, different right. place. You know albums ain't selling like that. Uh, he is he's big for now. Like like but, the question you asked: Do icons have an expiration date? <laughs> well, yeah, there's that too. Because the thing is, like you said, this is the reason I'm saying it. Like. As I was growing up, Michael Jackson was like the epitome beyond his talent, beyond the fact that his his songs were catchy and great and all of that. Michael Jackson was like the farthest point on the fame scale. Like he, to me, was like as famous as it gets. He was he was through the ceiling as far as fame goes. He's the top of the barometer, right? So he's a great. You know what I mean? So. People of my generation, if you ask, is Kanye a bigger star than Michael Jackson? Most people would be like, get the fuck out of here. Hell no. However, if you're 20 years old and Kanye's meant a big, he was, he was popping a big portion of your life, you know, like you would look at it differently. So that's what made me look at like, rather than just saying expiration days, it's just kind of like an era thing. You know what I mean? Like right. there's certain people that feel like Dr. J might have been the greatest basketball player. There's people of the Jordan era. There's people that love LeBron. You know what I mean? Like, 
you know, uh, and, when and your error's up, do you transcend? Like, we're talking about what made me talk about that was, you know, we're talking about Whitney. It's her birthday. She's passed on what, I mean, at least two, three years ago. If they still celebrating your birthday when you're dead, I guess you've transcended a bit. Yeah, that's no doubt. You, I, mean, you, I mean, death, you know, generally kind of locks in your icon status for a little longer. You don't have, t- you know what I'm saying, you, you're not going to fall off if you, if, as if you were, you know, still living and made some bad songs and got fatter songs, right. you know. Right. You know, but, but you know, it kind of solidifies you a little longer. Like uh-huh. with MJ, they're going to forever celebrate his birthday, his death day, and all of that, you know man. Um I just think it's a like you said it's an era thing and and with 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 Michael Jackson like you say it was the furthest level of fame on the fame scale and you could actually physically see it like if he went anywhere there was going to be throngs of people ah, Michael Jackson you know what I'm saying right Kanye it may be the same thing except for they on Twitter or they you know what I'm saying it's not like you see people a, a whole city of people following Kanye down the street if he's out in Soho or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he doesn't feel like the same kind of celebrity. He doesn't feel like it's bigger than MJ, but maybe mm-hmm. the audience has transferred to something else and the conversation has moved to a different platform. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to look at that. I always use the bar- I always use the barometer of if this person walked through Times Square could they shut mm-hmm. Times Square down? Because right. Times Square is one of those places where it's a lot of people from all over. But it's also Manhattan. It's also New York City. So you could be of a certain level of fame. You might turn a couple heads, but, you, you know, people still be moving. But if you want these people that are shut it all the way down, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, that's a different level of fame. I think uh, my- And Kanye uh-huh. would send, if, if Kanye sent out a tweet, hey, I'm in Times Square he would shut it down. Yeah. Well, that's pre-planned. I'm talking about organically. Right. <laughs> you just stepped out the car and you running nah, at Starbucks no and it's a melee. Nah, no doubt. Yeah. I think, I think interestingly in, in not big as a, a MJ or maybe even a, a Kanye, but the first time I actually seen a, a, a rap star that was, that transcended just being a star on the stage, but just, showed up in a place and was like, whoa. It was uh it was Snoop Dogg when he first came out. And um Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It was the chronic was popping and and that was at Jack the Rapper in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And you know, there was a lot of regular people, but then there also was a lot of, you know what I'm saying, other artists and other rappers and and Naomi Campbell and Queen Latifah. All of these people were in the room in the mm-hmm. in the hotel. And when mm-hmm. Snoop and the death row people came through the lobby. It's like everything just stopped. It was like silence. It was like even your favorite rapper was looking at that dude like, damn, that's the death yeah. row cats. You know what I'm saying? It was like the first time I had seen that. Like I've seen Run DMC out in a parking lot or around people. I've seen, you know what I'm saying, some of these LL, you know what I'm saying, in different places. But I hadn't seen none of those rappers just stop a whole room just mm-hmm. in his tracks. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, so, so yeah, that was, yeah, yeah. That was like a, he was a different kind of celebrity. Yeah, he was a phenomenon. He was a phenomenon from the door. I remember 
literally going back and forth to the record store week after week, like, yo, the Doggy Styles rap? Nah, not this week. Right. He kept getting pushed back. I remember not, mm-hmm. I was, that was one of the, that might have been my first highly anticipated uh, tape that I bought my on my on with my own money. Like, yo, is it here yet? Is it, I, can, I remember when he was like, yeah, we finally got it. I was like, oh, <laughs> it was a moment. He was, he's been a star since the beginning. And right, now right. he's like, I mean, he's, is like beloved, right? He's he went, beloved. You know what I'm saying? Hey. Yeah. So he went from what? He went from like you know, murder. Uh, he was on on trial for murder to just now he got a show with Martha Stewart. This <laughs> is all over the world. Like it's crazy. It's bananas. No doubt. No doubt. Grandma's like yeah. Snoop Doggy Dog. Yeah, Uncle Snoop. He there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's an OG. Yeah. We might have uh, Snoop on the podcast. Snoop, if you want to be in the conversation, man, hit me. Let me know. I see you're doing a bunch of podcasts right now. So, you know, come see your people. You know what I'm saying? Come see the conversation. Exactly. If you want to hear Snoop on the podcast, jump in the comments. Let us know what you want. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> jump in right his now. comments. Anyway, <laughs> oh, man. A great business needs a stunning website. And with Wix.com, you can do it all by yourself. Wix.com makes it easy to look amazing online, no matter what type of business you're in. Draw off your images in beautiful gallery, grow your contact list, and get all your social media in one place, just the way you want. Your customers are going to love it. So, what are you waiting for? Show the world what you can do. Go to Wix.com and create a stunning website today. It's easy and free. But also today is Whitney Houston's birthday, but it's also National Book Lovers Day. Ah, are you a book lover? I'm a book lover. You a book lover? Yeah, I love a good book. I do. I, you know, I wish I read. I, you know, I don't, I read. Uh, I. It's been a minute since. It's been a minute since I finished. No, I just finished a book recently. But I'm one of these people that are jump into a book and get real excited about the book, start talking about how good the book is when I'm halfway through. <laughs> and oftentimes I don't finish the book. Like now that there's a, now you can put so many books on your iPad. It's like a cue. You know what I mean? I'm bouncing around between this book, between that book. Like right now I'm reading at least four different books at one time, but I love a good right. book. When a book is good, I could tear through it. You know what I mean? But well, uh, what was the first, what was the first book you read? On your own, not for school, just for just for reading sake. Mm. Not for school, just for reading sake. That's a good one. I don't know about not for school. I could tell you one book that I read in school that kind of made me want to read. Like it was just okay. a fun book to read, and it kind of turned me on to reading. It was um, Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing by Judy Bloom. That was like my favorite book for a long time. And then I read the whole Fudge series and got turned on to <laughs> Judy Bloom and all of that. Like she was, she was the one, you know what I mean? Like, uh, no, no doubt. But, it's, but what was your, what was your favorite? What was the book that your favorite book that wasn't, wasn't school related that you remember cracking the, open? The, the, first, the first book that I read that wasn't for school that I just read for enjoyment. And it was by totally by mistake. I was at my grandma's house and then I found some books in the closet just sitting. 
I was like, okay, this looks interesting. Let me see what it is. Read the first few pages and was like, okay, got all the way in. And that was uh, Terry McMillan's um, uh, Disappearing Acts. Oh, yeah, and it was, yeah, 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 that was a good one. And it was, yeah, and it was, it was interesting because, you know, I was like first year, it was like my first summer home from college. So now you out in the world and you, you, you dating in a different kind of way than you were right. when you were at your mama house. So reading this book was very interesting because that main character, Franklin, he became right. like a, he became like a cautionary tale in my, right. my development. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, mm-hmm. And like one of the most important things about Franklin as a character that I think that was understated and they never even put in the film when they made the mm-hmm. film of it mm-hmm. was that he was working on his constitution. Right, and, right. Uh, yeah. And the whole time he's like he was working on his constitution and then he met this fine girl, you know, so then started talking with her, you know, they start smashing it. Then he, you know, mm-hmm. started spending the night. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, next thing you know, it was life. And yeah. but he never finished his constitution. He never went back to it. He was more living in her world because her world was, you know, she had her shit together. She had a nice place, and mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying. So he started living in her world as opposed to finishing his world, and mm-hmm. that left a that left a strong impression because it's like you know, you got to finish what you start as far as yourself, and that's so you know. So that was a, uh, I was I was kind of upset that they cut that part out of the movie. Because it just in the movie it just made Franklin look like he was just just fucking up just cause you know what I mean? Right, 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 right. Yeah, I remember you saying that. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a good one. That was yeah, a good. One. What did you think of that movie? I, I, like I said, I was already mad that they they kind of they diminished Franklin's role. You know, it was more it was more woman centric which of course it would have been a woman wrote the book and the, you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. but in the in the book it kind of went back and forth it had a chapter about franklin a chapter about her you know what I'm saying so right. it it kind of represented both sides and then like i said that the constitution part is crucial because it happens a lot when you when you get with somebody that's fly you know what i'm saying that's right. got their shit going on yo you yeah. your shit is kind of you know what I'm saying dragging behind it's easy yeah. to, you know what I'm saying, spend more time at their crib, you know what I'm saying, going to the places they want to go to, you know what I'm saying, you're trying right. to keep up and you're trying to make sure that you don't fall back and you know, you're looking like a scrub, but at the same yeah. time, you ain't working on your thing day to day. Over months, you be you fall so far behind, then they start looking like, well, damn, this motherfucker's behind. Why am I, why am I dragging this motherfucker along? So yeah. I always, I always try to stay on my P's and Q's as far as that's concerned. It's like you know, what I'm saying if you get too far in and you, you know, you got your thing right, I try to double back and like, man, I'm working on my thing. You come in my world a little bit, right? It becomes a self fulfilling prophecy where mm-hmm. you you're looking at that person and you feel like they fully formed. You know what I mean? They popping. So mm-hmm. rather than continue doing you. It gets to the point you want to be on. You just become of service to them, and then after a while, they're like, "Man, yeah, yeah." And even if you ain't of service, you are. You know, what I'm saying you just in their world. You're not yeah, in their world. You you're not in yours no more. Right, and and then it becomes more about you staying in that world if you want the relationship to work, as opposed right. to y'all meeting in the middle ground or. 
you know what I'm saying, preferably, you know what I'm saying, you actually leading the way in your own world and you could go back and forth or she can come back and forth into, you know what I'm saying, both spaces. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing about books that, for me, I noticed young, like, it wasn't a whole lot of dudes reading like that or saying that they read, right? So if right. you read a little bit or you said that you read, women would really be into it. You know what I mean? Like, and I remember <laughs> certain books I would watch, like, I'd be on the train. You know, certain books are, just, like, real popular, and everybody on the train is reading, like, the same book, right? So I remember, like, mm-hmm. there was one point where all of the cute girls who was reading this one book called Fly Girl by Omar mm-hmm. Tyree. And I remember mm-hmm. reading that, and it kind of plugged me into something to say, something to have a conversation <laughs> about. And that became an angle for a while. Like, it was, it was quite a few books I read under the motive of, uh, you know, having some small talk that I could, I could nah. use. And I was like, okay, okay, I see how this works. See how this works because it's sad to say it was so many cats not reading that if you were just a reader, it was a leg up. You read what? Right, right. right. <laughs> it was official. Oh man, yo! So if you're a book nah. lover, man, go crack one of them books. Go ahead. What nah, you it to did. No, nah, I was just saying the other book that was in that closet that I found that was another pivotal book. Book. It was real good too. It was. It was Pimp by Iceberg Slim. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a that shit classic. Right there was powerful. It was, it, was, it was classic. It was entertaining one. But at the same time, we did, you know, you in college, you know how you be in college and you start building a little cipher. You're going around right. the room, you know, talking about the book. Right. We ended up annotating the whole book, me and my roommate D. We annotated the whole book because in that book, he basically broke down some specific rules that he had to the game. And yeah. I was like, man, if you apply those rules to any kind of business, mm-hmm. man, you a win. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, keep a steel lid on your emotion. You know what I'm saying? Keep your swipe out of them. You know what I'm saying? A, a, a pimp don't get paid for, for, for fucking, he get paid for having the right thing to say on lightning tap. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. And that, that applies across the board. You, know, you don't get paid to enjoy, you know what I'm saying, and indulge in what you're selling or what you're doing. You really get right. paid for, you know what I'm saying, having the answers, having a solution to problems. And we annotated that shit, man. That shit was like a, a fucking business workshop <laughs> that that probably could never go mainstream, but eternally. <laughs> that shit was like the 48 Laws of Power of uh, college students. Yeah, now nah, I remember you, you breaking that down. Now, nah, it was definitely one of those. There's a lot of those type of books, too. Like, we're talking about even that, 48 Laws of Power. Like, that became the book to read. Like, there becomes these certain books where, like, people will sell a book like, oh, you trying to change your life? Read this. And I just remember reading 48 Laws of Power. And it's ill, but some parts of that book are wild sinister. You know what I oh, mean? No like doubt. some of these parts, no you're like, wait a minute, this is this is we could take full advantage of people if I'm going true to this text. You know, you gotta you gotta know what to take and what to keep. I mean, yeah. But then you know, but then you also have to understand that there's people using those same things, you know, when they working with you or working against you. You know what I mean? So Absolutely. it's good to know them, so you can have an antidote. Uh-huh. You know, 
Because I, I got hip to it because because Leor Cohen gave right. it to a lot of people at Def Jam to read. And then right. um, Chris Lighty, rest in peace, ended up giving it to everybody at Violator. And, you know, Violator was next door to Vibe, so that's how I got hip to it. Okay. Right, right. So, so you know, that whole Def Jam squad was operating on 48 Laws. Right, right. It was a good book. It was a good book. I read that. I read a couple of his books. I even read The 50th Law, which I liked a lot, too. The one that he did with 50. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was that pretty one. good too. Yeah. Yeah. Robert Green, pretty... shout out to Robert Green. So, who's some of your favorite authors? Some of my favorite authors. I mean, I'm, I can't say I have a favorite author because I'm not a, a literary person like that. But what I, I'm a discoverer, so you know what I'm saying. I go, I find stuff, I like it, I like that project. You know what I'm saying? Because I try to be a fan of authors, and then I, you know, you end up getting disappointed. Like I, I wanted to like Malcolm Gladwell a whole lot, right? Because I like some of his premises, but then I don't, right. I don't like, I don't like the style of writing. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like he, he starts stories, stops stories. You know what I'm saying? It's like he don't never finish it. Right. Like, so right, you got to right, read right, through right, the whole right. thing to get the end. I mean, it's like it's kind of like you know, it gets annoying. So I just like, I like his premises. I like his concepts. But as far as authors, you know what I'm saying? I can't really say I have a favorite author because I'm not first. I'm not a literary. I'm a discoverer. Mm-hmm. All right. So let me ask you this. Sense. If there was three books, somebody said, yo, I need to, three books that have changed your life. Or maybe not your life, but uh-huh. three books that you feel like have the power to change well, someone's life. I, what would you say? I'll give you three books that changed my life. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I, I got um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. All right. Napoleon Hill. You know what I'm saying? The Pimp Book. But Dale Carnegie. It's Dale. No, no, no. Wait. Dale Carnegie is the other version. Hold on. I think Napoleon Hill was the first one. Hold on. Maybe, okay. maybe I got it backwards. Uh, but How to Win Friends and Influence People. <laughs> That's Dale Carnegie. Uh-huh. I just Googled it. Dale Carnegie. All right, then what the fuck Napoleon Hill wrote? He got the, uh, is it Think and Grow Rich or something like that? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's Think and Grow Rich. Nah, nah. So, so, yeah, nah, 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 nah. The other one. Dale Carnegie. His uh-huh. book, Pimp Book. Uh-huh. And uh, As a Man Thinketh. What's that? So, which I just, that's a, a real short book. That um, basically kind of breaks down that verse, not breaks down the verse in the Bible, but it's a verse in the Bible that said, as, as a man thinks, so is he. So it's based off of that premise that you can kind of shape your world through your thoughts, then your right. actions. So I actually just reread it the other day. But, okay. but you know, so it's one of those things where you kind of know, you or you may have experienced it or seen it. Without without reading this book, but then once yeah. you read the book, you be like, yeah, 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 yeah. Let me focus in more on doing more of crafting my thoughts in a way that that gives me the life that I want to have. You know what I'm saying? Um, mm-hmm. So it was it was very influential in in building the concept of let me craft my own way. Let me create to make my life better. 
You know what I'm saying? Because when you when you come from a situation where you know what I'm saying half half your situation is sketchy or you know what I'm saying dysfunctional or whatever. Me personally, I just ended up creating a world in my mind that I wanted to make happen. And then as you start making it happen, you're like, oh shit, this could work. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it really starts like when you're young and it starts and it's like, all right, bet. Let me change the way I look. I'm gonna go get my own haircut. I want this kind of haircut. Let me put on this kind of shoe. Let me put on this kind of clothes. And and then you start to see how your world starts to change because of first your appearance. Then you start to say, hey, maybe I could do that with what I do. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Then you start working on things that you do and how you how you come about, how you gonna come through. And, and you know what I'm saying? These are the things that I'm putting on the table. And then you're like, oh shit, people start to buy into it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. as a, you know, starting a business at 19 when we did the TV show and seeing that show become kind of successful in that town, actually really successful in, on a local level, it's like, damn, this ain't nothing but my life. We showed it with, a, we pointed it with a camera and, and look at it grow. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So in, in life, you know what I'm saying? I learned to try to, to try to do that, but then as you get older or as life starts to get more heavy or you start to get other people influencing your thoughts and decisions like kids and a wife, you know what I'm saying? You, 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 well, I kind of veered away from creating to make life better to creating to make sure that everybody's straight, which is mm-hmm. slightly different, but it's hugely different in, in its outcome. So right now, you know what I'm saying, based off of that book, you know what I'm saying, based off of all the other little lessons I learned, I'm trying to fix that and get back mm. to creating to make a better world as I see it. Mm. I hear that. Man, that's always good. <laughs> <laughs> nah, that's good. That is good. I don't, I'm trying to think in my head if, if I had any books that changed my life, like, like, I'm one of these people... It'll change my life for at least like a month. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I just feel like, oh, about this. my whole life is different. I'm looking at the world with new eyes. I get charged up, but it don't last. It'll last for about but, two, three months. Certain certain books I have to revisit. You know what I mean? Like when I want to get that energy again. Like, but it was a time when I go ahead. No, it's, it's sometimes you know what I'm saying. It's 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 not that it's going to change everything automatically. But as I say, once you learn something, it's hard to unlearn something. And sometimes yeah. it just goes deeper into your DNA, and you might look back and wonder, oh, why do I do things like this? And be like, oh, shit. Right, you know? right. Yeah, it's a lot of, like, self-help books that do that type of thing. I'm trying to think of something that stand out. I know one time, certain books come to you at a certain time in your life where you feel like, mm-hmm. it's almost like, a, like a, if you go to church, it's almost like, a sermon that feel like it was right on time, right? I remember mm. when I was I was working for Bob, I might have just started doing sales or something. I was reading a lot of sales books. There's this one book called Never Eat Alone. I forget the, mm. the author's name. But mm. I was reading it. I bought it at the, um, at the airport uh, bookstore. This is at least 10 years ago. I bought it at the bookstore at the airport, and uh, <clears throat> I was just felt like I had my job had become daunting. Like I got to figure this shit out. 
You know what I mean? Like it was, it was, a, it was a learning, it was a learning curve of what I was doing. I think this is when I had moved into sales or something. So I'm reading this book called Never Eat Alone. I forget the author's name. Dan. It's, it's Ke- I think it's positive. Keith Keith Ferrazzi, I believe. Keith Ferrazzi, yes. So I'm reading this shit, and I'm on the on the airplane coming from L.A. back to New York. So you know, it was one of those flights where everything is just real reflective and introspective. You got nothing but time on your head. I can't go to sleep on the plane. I'm turning through this um through this book, and this book is preaching. This book is in me, <laughs> like with the corner man talk. Like, D, is you about to be the man? I'm like, oh, I'm like feeling it. Like, oh shit, hell yeah, I need to do that. I've been doing that. That's wrong. Okay, true indeed. Point taken. And I'm going through this book. And I mean, I was so charged up, and it it affected me for a while. Like it was, I was, you know. And it's one of those books that, certain books like that, maybe sometimes even the four agreements, there's certain books where like, let me jump back in here and read, because it got me inspired at some point. You know what I mean? Like, let me see if I can recapture that inspiration. You know what I mean? So that was one of those. I remember reading, I'm not sure which one I read first, but there was a big, there was a time where I was a huge Nelson George fan. Nelson mm-hmm. George is from Brownsville. But he's a he's a music writer. He wrote um, I might the first book I might have read from him was either Hip Hop America or The Death of Rhythm and Blues. But either one, they were, he was just so ill. This was like you know I grew up reading you know I read The Source and Bob and things of that nature, but I had never really seen like black music criticism on that level, like where you could kind of expand past 300, 1500 words. Like this was a full, like a full book where he's breaking down so many, like just, just deep level, like especially death of rhythm and blues. Like he's breaking down Frankie Beverly's career, breaking down Luther's career as he sees it, breaking down wow. Lionel Richie and how he impacted and what he had to struggle through. And it gave so much context to a lot of stuff that was really before me. You know what I mean? Like these were records, these were performers that weren't really of my generation. Like they were, they were popping, you know, but these are the type of things like your moms or your aunt or, you know, these are just, these are classic, classic people. Like Luther was still kind of popping, but Frankie was kind of, you know, he was, he was established, you know what I mean? Or Lionel Richie was pretty much, you know, so it was just, it was just so much context, and that kind of made me want to start writing and, like, do mm-hmm. magazine writing and, and uh, critique or whatever. And uh, I just felt like he was one of the best, or he still is one of the best. And it's kind of, I'm kind of excited because he's got, he's very much associated. I don't know, I'm not sure to what length, but I know that Netflix original show coming out called The Get Down. I want to yeah, see yeah, he wrote on it. He's at least exactly yeah, producer. I think he's produced. I think, yeah, he's producing on it. So I'm curious, you know, like that, that cosign means a lot. Like I'm a big fan of him. And then what also made me an even bigger fan of Nelson George was because I want to say Nelson George helped or co-wrote um, CB4 with Chris Rock. And when they right, got no together, doubt. that became a whole nother run too. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was dope. And then I always felt like Chris Rock kind of, he had an academic approach to his comedy where he would, he would say something that was just something like 
that will almost be polarizing and then break that shit down with maybe not facts, but present a, uh, uh, like a fucking, a bulletproof theory on why he felt this way. And I was like, wow. oh, that's ill. You know what I mean? So no, that's I up. would say, yeah, those are a couple good books. If you get a kid, <laughs> check out, um, check out anything by him. He's good. Yeah, definitely. We um, I was work, working on a documentary with uh, Sarita Gates. Shout out Sarita Gates called Word is Bond. And um, she's basically going through all of the writers from the early era of hip hop and interviewing yeah. a lot of the influential writers. And we interviewed Nelson George and uh, he talked a lot about all that stuff. Man. <clears throat> very, very deep. And it's yeah. weird because, <clears throat> as I say, I'm not like I said, not a fan of authors. And I'm thinking about why is that? And then a, a lot of times I'm reading as a utility, you know what I'm saying? It was almost like a right. tool to get to get to a certain place. So it was almost like, right. let me get the information. But authors like, you know, Nelson George and a lot of the guys who was writing in that early era and, you know what I'm saying, the Village Voice and even like the Miami New Times and stuff like that. Reading a lot of those things help you decipher and understand what was going on in culture and places that you wanted to go to. Before it was right. like a Google and you could just Google, okay, who's this, who's that? You had to kind of wait for the next story to tell you who was who and what yeah. they did and why they were important and, and how you could mold yourself into something that's useful to the culture at hand. You know what I'm saying? So right. a lot of my reading was you, you, utility. Right. Yeah, because this was before the like before the net was accessible. You had to yeah, you had to arm yourself with the knowledge. That you know, I remember reading. You ever heard of this book, The Perfect Touch, by Terry Williams? Is it The yes. Perfect Touch? That was one of them type of books when I was trying to like get in the game that I would read. Mm. You know, like you would. It was kind of a do's and don'ts type of thing. This is you know like an etiquette slash. This is how you ain't like, yeah, I feel you on reading, reading up right. for the job or reading. Yeah, that's, that's real talk. No, no, like he ain't no author. You know what I'm saying? Not yet, at least, you know what I'm saying? He didn't wrote no books and this wasn't a book, but it was a magazine called BRE, which was like black radio exclusive. And, right. and it would, it would point out all these different industry people. It gave you a lot of good contacts and a lot of names, but, uh -huh. but Puffy, before he was, you know what I'm saying big when he was still an A&R dude, it was Sean Combs. He would write right. a uh, he would write a column in there every week. And uh. reading his was a whole lot different than all the other ones because he was young. You know what I'm saying? And right. he had a different perspective. And and you know what I'm saying? He's shouting out younger people, and he's you know what I'm saying giving you that 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 battery for your back as a you know what I'm saying right. as a teenager. Which you know what I'm saying? So shouts out to Puff for you know what I'm saying his his writing abilities. <laughs> that would be dope if somebody could find like, and put them all together, like his weeks and weeks of uh, writing for BRE and like put them in like a, like a separate compendium, like all of the puffy jokes. Cause now, you know, like, you know, he's popping, popping now. So it just gives it even mm -hmm. more like, you know, it's like a look back to show he's always right. been on it from then, you know, especially when you're successful. That's what you have to go into your old work. If you fell off, it's just because of the cautionary tale. Don't listen to him. He ain't right. no shit. Right, right, right. But he, you know what I'm saying, a good thing, like, with him, he was always, like, very a part of the culture, but also 
he he thought to move in different areas where other cats weren't moving. You know what I'm saying? He thought to yeah. write a column because it gave him a voice. Like A and R dudes yeah. don't usually try to have no voice. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Of course we know we know he was dancing in the videos. You know what I'm saying? Right. We all know that. But it was also other little stuff that he was doing that was affecting and impacting the industry culture at hand. How did you come to that? How did you discover that? Discover what? BRE and all of that. Like, how, how well, did you even come well, to and, it? Well, come to what? How did you even come to wanting to be in the industry? Like, what was it that that, that sparked that? Uh, the Throw the D record by uh, okay. Two Live Crew, Luke Skywalker Records. And on that record, it said executive produced by Luther Campbell. Right. I was like, what is executive produced? And then, you know, my uncle was had been in the music, so I asked him what it meant. He was like, you know, that's the that's the person in charge of the project. That's the you know, that's the man in charge. I'm like, shit. Uh-huh. So I that was already in my head. And then uh-huh. I read a I read an article in the Miami Herald about that particular record, Throw the D, selling five hundred thousand copies. You know, what I'm saying independently. Right. So and then you know. So then, you know, you see Luke around Miami. He was really controlling the culture. He was really doing all the parties. He was the one, you know, what I'm saying from the the proms to the to the club to the concerts. So when hip hop was coming through Miami, they was coming through Luke. He was the one bringing all the artists. Right. So that's why that's why everybody was fucking with him. That's why Biggie all them was fucking with him because he was the one bringing cats to Miami. Mm-hmm. So. He would bring Run DMC, Public Enemy, and then Two Live Crew a headline. <laughs> so that's smart. So, so from seeing that firsthand, you was like, okay, how does this work? You know what I'm saying? Then when I went to college, we I did an internship at Mercury Records, mm-hmm. and then I, then I was fully I knew who was who, and then I needed to I needed to further my knowledge when I went back to school. And but how'd you get that? Already, like, what made you? What what made you what? go out for that? Like, wh- how'd you? Pre, how'd you? No, for Mercury. When you got to the Mercury Records, to go to Mercury Records, what was it that clicked in your head? Like, what was it that drew you to it besides the throw the D? So that's what got you in the game. That's what got you. Yeah, in that's the what got me about. going. But once once well, we got in college and and then hip hop started moving, you know, you had Martin. Like hip hop was a thing. Like it was like a real like okay, right. I, they are, that's me. That's me all day. Right. And then, you know, you're in college and, you know, you're seeing how it's moving about the culture. You're seeing the parties. You're a participant. You, you know what I'm saying? And then there was uh, this girl who was uh, went to school with me in, in high school, Denise Barrett. Her mm-hmm. sister worked at Mercury Records. No, her sister worked at Essence. And she knew people at Mercury Records. And Denise hooked me up with her and she hooked me up with the internship. So I didn't know nothing I didn't know nothing about it. I just knew the record labels was in New York and I want to be in it. Let's go. So I went. And then when I, when I got there, it was a lot of old dudes in suits with big mustaches from the jazz era. Ed Eckstein was kind of like the president. We had black sheep. Black sheep was the artist that was out with, you know what I'm saying? You can get with this. You can get with that. But yeah. all of the people that was controlling it were like older. Yeah. You know and but what I the main key that I learned was that everybody that was in a position of power, they didn't start at a job at a label and 
rise their way up. They all did their own thing and then either got bought out or, you know what I'm saying, or the labels went out and brought them in to run the record label. So I knew from that experience, just that one summer experience, I knew that I had to do my own thing, that working inside of the label wasn't really the way to, to get to the goal. Because everybody that was big was doing something they sell. Luke was doing something himself. Russell Simmons was doing something himself. Even mm-hmm. uh, uh, Ed Eckstein, they, they all had a certain level of success before they even came into the label. Mm-hmm. Um, and then then as I was leaving New York that summer, I was I was talking to one of my dad's friends, uh, Sheila Creke, who who worked at another label. And then she was like, you probably should go over to Uptown, they got this dude named Sean over there. He's you should you should meet him. But I left before that meeting took place. But I always mm-hmm. remember his name, mm-hmm. and because that's all you had at that time was names. You ain't had nothing. Yeah. Else. You ain't had no pictures. That's all names. Yeah. So when I went back to Fam, they had a we had a little library in the journalism school called Journalism Resource Center. Shout out Miss Woody, and they had all of these different magazines. So they had the radio magazines. They had the Billboard. And then I started seeing him in that BRE. And, and that's how I started to really get the knowledge and the information. So by the time I came back to New York in 99, mm-hmm. I kind of understood the layout. I knew the names and found my way. Mm. I hear that. That's what's up. That's what it is, man. Yeah, yeah. why don't y'all uh, hit us, Twitter, either in the, in the comments or tweet us. Three books that changed your life. Celebrate National Book Lovers Day. One no day doubt. late. Yeah, hit us. Let us know what it is. Well, look, I feel like it's time for us to transform and roll out. I know you're still on the um, the Muhammad holiday. You know what I mean? I'm yeah, not we in the on, studio. Yeah, so, we, uh, you know, I'm out here, man, ATL. So get at me if you're out here this week. You know what I'm saying? I got some black stuff going on that need to be captured and documented. I'm on a docu series situation out here. Yeah. And then, um, I'll be I'll be back in the studio next week. Okay. Bat, 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 bat. That's what's up. All right. Well, uh, what do I have going on? I'm gonna be at uh two dope queens tonight out at the at the Bell House in Brooklyn, uh, tonight, eight PM. I'm not sure if there's tickets left, but check that out. Uh, beyond that, I'm just in the world, you know, celebrating my grandmother's birthday on Thursday, so that's a good look, and, uh, shit, I'll be back in the studio next week, too, so, as always, tell a friend to tell a friend, and even an enemy, to get in the conversation, we out. This has been a Stand Up Labs production powered by Digital Media. Subscribe to new and archived episodes wherever you listen to podcasts and find all of our shows at StandUpLabs.nyc. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. We out.